You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Studio, Jake Martin. Good Friday to you, Jake Martin. Good Friday to you as well. John Tabor holding down the fort back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Weird putting together the headlines this morning. Just a, a weird collection of different news and notes. Yes, uh, but also some topics that I'm very interested in. Some interesting topics to talk about. But first, we got to get to the College World Series. Yes, Arkansas is not celebrating their first ever baseball national championship. Oregon State takes care of business last night, five to nothing. So there's several different ways to go in breaking down this game. First of all, the number one storyline going in to yesterday was how would Arkansas rebound after that heartbreaking loss in game number two? They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. And uh, Russell, it's nice to hear from you. He texted in. Oh, really? Woo, pig suey, rest in peace. <laughs> so I. I I feel for you, Russell. Uh, we've all been there. It was just one of those things where when you lose that in that fashion yeah. in game two, it's incredibly difficult to get back up for another game. And you saw that with Arkansas. I Just watching, I, I felt like they were lifeless. I just couldn't sense any emotion from that. They looked drained. All right, well, let's go first of all. That powerful lineup they had. I think some of the credit needs to go to, of course, the kid Kevin Abel. Yeah. And what the freshman – was able to do on the mound, uh, pretty darn impressive. We'll get into this, uh, some of the numbers, but the fact that he goes out and pitches a complete game and only gives up two hits, coming off what he threw, uh, I think, 23 pitches in game two, then last night throws, what, 129 in a complete game, masterful performance. You want to talk about a kid that goes from being a freshman to a legend in yeah. the span of one college Well, he retired series. the last 20 batters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. It's like a running back taking over in the fourth quarter. That's what it felt like. I think he gave up a walk in the first. Then in the third, he got into a little bit of trouble as Arkansas got two runners on. But after that, as Jake said, 20 straight, including striking out four of the last six batters that he faced. Yeah, it was it was kind of tough to watch because, you know, I thought this series was so fun, so entertaining. And then I just never really got into the game last night because yeah. it just it didn't feel like Arkansas was there. And I listen, I under, I get it, I understand how difficult. And Richie even says Arkansas couldn't overcome the choke. Not many teams ever do, mm. and that's so true. And that's why it was kind of the easiest prediction to make. You know, when we were asking who's going to win Game Three, I, I was already saying it was over. You know, when you lose that way, it takes a really special group uh, to, to change the to turn the tide, but. Arkansas was unable to do it last night. And, listen, you do have to give that Oregon State pitcher, Abel, a lot of credit because he was tremendous. So how do you throw 22 pitches in game two? You come back and your coach is thinking you're going to get probably, if hopeful, four to five innings out of him. Yeah. And then he goes out and throws 129, a complete game. After the seventh, they're ready to pull him. He comes to the dugout and he basically says, no, I'm not coming out. Their response was, all right, we'll leave you in, but as soon as you let a base runner on, we're coming out and we're yanking you off the field. He didn't give up another – well, he didn't give up 
what, 20 straight. So the eighth and ninth were perfect for Abel. Yeah, it was an incredible outing. It was one of the the best College World Series outings we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You just said, you just detailed the numbers there. I mean, those are, are tremendous numbers. And the fact that he got better as the game went on, uh, it was a tremendous performance by him. And I, I, I kept waiting for Arkansas to make something happen. Yeah. Like, they looked so lifeless that it was like, surely they're going to have a, a chance. And, and they did have a chance early on when they had the bases loaded, um, I believe with one out, and they just couldn't get any runs across. And that kind of felt like the death knell. I think that was in the first three innings. That kind of felt like the death knell there just because it's like, okay, it's going to be one of those one of those days for Arkansas. And Rushman, of course, the sophomore catcher was outstanding at the plate. He was selected as the College World Series most outstanding player. He had uh, three more hits last night to set the single College World Series record with 17 in the World Series. He hit 567 in Omaha. Yeah, nasty. Nasty. Now, let me ask you this, Aaron. And one other thing about Abel. So, his College World Series, 21 innings pitched, has 23 Ks, 7 walks, gives up just 2 earned runs, and 7 hits for his stay in Omaha also. So, not too bad. No, not too bad at all. Did you have any issue with the balls and strikes that the umpire was calling? Well, he didn't have another wide strike zone. It was very... um, and just as long as it was at the ankles, it was fine. Yeah, it was it was very uh, a stranger uh, strike zone though, and of course you saw the Arkansas director of video and scouting um, Zach Barr was ejected. Uh, I can't remember what inning that came in, but it was early on yeah, in the game, uh, and that that was. That I was wondering who he was. Yeah, I was like I hope he's not somebody they're expecting to come out of the pen later. I had to get on on Twitter to find out, uh, but that's what that's what Twitter was saying. But uh, yeah, Randy points out they didn't hit the entire series and still should have won it if they just catch the pop foul. That is true, basically. What? Yeah, uh, out hitting every game. Yeah, out hitting every single game. That that's true. But um, yeah, it's tough, man. I I think now <laughs> now that we saw what happened last night. Now you can go back to game two and include that when you talk about some of the worst plays or worst ways to lose a game. Because, mm. you know, we said, we argued yesterday that the, the Saints was worse, and I still think it's worse because you had another opportunity to win a championship last night. But now, you you know, if you win last night, you can erase that. You can, you can forget about that. You can laugh about it. Now it hurts. It hurts just as bad today as it did yesterday. And they said all the right things going into last night's game, just the fact that baseball is a tough game. You get dealt some bad cards sometimes in life. It's how you, of course, overcome them. And then Arkansas goes out and can only muster two hits against Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And Oregon State did what they did. I mean, what they've done all year. I mean, they get their backs pressed against the wall, and they come out swinging, and they find a way to get it done. So congrats to them. Randy says that'd be a great Thursday list. Yeah. And, in fact, we might even get to, to that today, some of the worst ways to win, some of the most crushing defeats maybe we've we've witnessed. Just catch the pop up. Just yeah. catch Call the ball. Call them all. Just catch it. Don't give up on the ball. They'd be organizing the parade by now. Yeah, they would be. Instead, they go back to Fayetteville. All right, you're pouring salt in the wound mm-hmm. here. How about Oregon State? Uh, they now have uh, what three national titles in the last 13 years. Uh, SEC, Pac-12, I believe, now have won 10 of the last 14 College World Series. Yeah, and it was the one Pac-12 team that 
you know, bested the other SEC teams in this, this College World Series. Does it make you feel better that I believe now LSU has lost the last three years to the eventual national champ and four of the last six to the eventual national champ? Uh, no. <laughs> I never got that, yeah. if I'm being honest. Like, well, we, we lost, lost to the champs. We lost to the best. <laughs> well, if you would have won, you could have maybe been champ. I never got that. I never understood how that made you feel better. Uh, let's hear how it sounded last night, uh, courtesy of ESPN and Carl Ravish. The game-winning call as Abel was able to close out the Hawks. said let's don't <laughs> i hope you're not a saints fan russell because he did the same thing back in uh more than able more than able yeah, is a great call Ravish. you were getting on him yeah, yesterday i like that more than able that's well done he had some time to think about that yeah. <laughs> that's the thing with baseball you got a little time to think about it did you see the beaver the mascot jumping on the dog pile yeah I, how about able the, the biggest hit against him was probably the hit that he absorbed from the catcher <laughs> That's Man, usually he got the case. Drilled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, being at the bottom of that dog pile. That's always. But I feel better about that when it's the last game of the year. Yeah. If you if you have a dog pile and there's still a season to go. Who was that from LSU? Lewis Coleman. Yeah. yeah. Wait, no. was it Mespay? I think it was Lane Mespay. Yeah. yeah, that's who it was. Was that in the SEC tournament? I think so. Um, oh, man, I was very time. disappointed in you, man. I think it was Mestipay. For some reason, I always get uh, Lewis Coleman and Lane Mestipay. They they just always gel. Their memories gel together for me for some reason. I can grill you on a number of things in LSU baseball. I think it's Mestipay, right. and I think it was the SEC tournament. I just remember it was before the um, – the, it was definitely before Omaha. Maybe it was a regionals. Something, so it was either the regionals or the, or the SEC tournament. So we talked about how great this College World Series final was. Does this take a little bit of luster now off it because game three was pretty much a snoozer thanks to the Oregon State Beavers? Uh, I think so, but I also think it'll still be remembered just because of that pop-up. Yeah. It'll be remembered for the reasons Arkansas fans don't want it to be. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it won't be one that you soon forget, but it, when we're talking about the greatest uh, College World Series I don't, I don't think this enters the conversation anymore. College World Series greatest games. We'll take a walk down memory lane later in the show mm. with our uh, interview with Warren Morse. I yes. still believe that's the only walk-off home run in a College World Series game or final, correct? Won a championship, yeah. yeah. Pretty incredible. College baseball season is over. Other headlines on this Friday morning. All right. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where to go next. Uh, here's something interesting, uh, since we're on the subject of college baseball. Uh, Daniel Cabrera replaced Antoine Duplantis mm. on Team USA, and he ended up hitting a home run yesterday in a 3-2 to win against the Chinese. So uh, that was that was pretty cool to see, the fact that Cabrera showed up late notice, uh, was a late replacement for the injured Duplantis, and I came through big for Team USA. We are your headquarters for the Houston Astros. They are our team. The Astros take care of business last night, one and nothing. Bregman 
Uh, he didn't have the gaudy numbers that he's had in the last uh, two to three games, but he still goes one, four, three. Three pitchers combined for the shutout for the Houston Astros. Oh, very nice. Lance McCullers was really good. And that's the extent of our coverage. Of the Astros update. But there's another, more, probably more important update coming up. And oh, it is brother. Our World Cup update. La pelota para Rakitic, va abriendo para Montoya. Está esperando Suárez, espera Suárez en diagonal. Pero muy ancha la pelota, alcanza a enganchar la pelota a Cerva a este lado. Queda un hombre para la marca, le queda atrás a Suárez, goloso del Barça. ¡Gol! Jake, translate uh, that, that play-by-play there for us. I'm going to make the hot tag to Tabes. I'm going to let Tabor come in and just get us through this. Our World Cup expert, John Tabor, back in the Sports Talk 97.7. Hey, John, how you doing this morning? Um, I'm well. There's not really much to talk about. About today going forward, it's an off day, but starting tomorrow morning is when it all matters. The knockout stage, and you've got two games at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, a huge match between France and Argentina, and then at 1 p.m., Portugal and Uruguay. So 9 a.m. tomorrow, we need to be on Fox. That's the match. That is correct. This is when it gets good, Jake Martin. Are you going to watch? Win or go home. Yeah, I'm going to have it on. Okay. I'll believe. Why don't you come in and do our World Cup update Monday then? I'll work on that Monday. You're taking the Monday off just because of that. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly why. Uh, Thanks, Tapes. Good job. Uh, Randy points out, of course, it is now official. Jameis Winston gets his three-game suspension. Randy says Winston admits guilt and gets a three-game suspension. Elliot denies all allegations cleared by police and gets a six-game suspension. Come on, man. Mm. All right. The statement from the NFL says Winston violated the league's personnel uh, conduct policy by, quote, touching the driver in an inappropriate and sexual manner without her consent. Of course, the Uber driver from several years ago. And then Winston sitting at his typewriter at home, issues this <laughs> statement. You do believe this, right? Oh, of course. This is coming from James. Absolutely, Winston. 100%. Thought long and hard about this. This is kind of like a research paper in, uh, in college. Do you think he types one letter at a time? <laughs> <laughs> He's pecking away at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, give it to us. Are you going to read between the lines? Uh, sure. All right. James Winston's statement. First and foremost, I would like to say I'm sorry for the sorry to the Uber driver for the position I put you in. It is uncharacteristic of me and genuinely apologize. I apologize to my teammates, the Buccaneers organization, and fans for letting them down and for not being able to get out there for the first three games of the season. Although I am disappointed in the NFL's decision, I understand the NFL's process and I embrace this as an opportunity to take advantage of the resources available to me Achieve the goals that I have for myself. Is that uh, it? Also adding this statement that he holds himself to a higher standard on and off the field. And then he has eliminated, quote, eliminated drinking alcohol. That is the most generic apology I think I've heard. What did you expect him to say? Take I, more blame. And then, of course, uh, people wonder why he did not get more uh, a harsher. Well, that's what Randy's saying. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I agree. If you're, especially if you're a Cowboys fan, you got to be really upset with this. Mm. You think Cowboys fans like like hearing this news? Mm. No. Jameis Winston will not be available for that game one versus the Saints. That's the major takeaway. 
We've got other headlines coming up. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Painter. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, big weekend down in Natchitoches. They had some press conferences yesterday before he left for the big weekend down in Natchitoches. I sat down with Larry Wright, the former Richwood and Grambling star. You'll hear portions of that interview coming up later in the show. As I mentioned, we got the Warren Morris interview, still the greatest ending to a college World Series. Broderick Fobb signed, sealed, and delivered for the Grambling Tigers. He has his new deal. He will join us live at 8 o'clock at 8.45. Joey Trappe joins us for his weekly visit. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing. Jay says, now let's go eat a W. He should have ended his apology with that. That was a huge missed opportunity by Mr. Winston and his team. Uh, that was good. Well played. Uh, good job, Jay. All right. Uh, what else we got coming up? We've got a lot of talking points. I want to talk about the spine bomb situation. Whoa. I want to talk about the Stephen A. report right. with LeBron and KD possible. So you want to get up. into the logistics of both of these? Yes, I do. And I also want to talk about, um, so the, the number one recruit, according to ESPN, doesn't watch football. To be great at something, don't you need to study it? Don't you need to watch it? Don't you need to be a fan of it? Don't you need to have that passion about it? These are questions I want to pose coming up. 888-993-7762. It's called the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. The Morning Drive is back after this on Sports Talk 97.7. Richie weighs in, says, disappointed in the NFL's decision, question mark. I don't think there should be a question mark there. It should just be period. But then says, shoulda had more than six games, given his history of moronic decision-making. This kid just isn't a very bright person. Now, if he would have came out with that as his statement, I would have liked that. I'm just not very bright. I've had a history of moronic <laughs> bad decisions. Yeah. I'm just not a very bright person. <laughs> maybe maybe would have uh, created some sympathy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Taking a little bit more of the blame. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Cut me some slack. Yeah, yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah. For sure. All right. So, which which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, you want to tackle Feinbaum? You want to tackle this uh, recruit, or do you want to tackle Stephen A? Uh, go LeBron. All right. So Stephen A. reports that LeBron texted KD about potentially joining the Lakers. Right. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because I think it would be the greatest pairing we've ever seen in the NBA. I think it would be the the most dynamic duo we've ever seen. And it got me thinking, what are the best pairings we've ever seen in the NBA? And I came up with the top five. Right. I want to see if you agree, disagree. I did leave some big ones off. All right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you agree with this. All right. What do you guys, I think, are, you, are you doing them in order here? No, this is out of order. Okay. This is just the top five. Pippen Jordan, correct. Pippen Jordan are on there. Stockton Malone. On there. Shaq, Kobe. Of course. Maybe the best. I don't know. Uh, Bill Lambeer, Isaiah Thomas. I don't have him. <laughs> I don't have them. I left them off for... Larry Bird, Kevin McHale. Yeah, I, I don't have them either for Wade and LeBron. I put Wade and LeBron on there. Mm -hmm. And I thought about this. Do I want to put... Have Steph... 
and KD earned the right to be on there yet. No. And it's kind of weird because it's a foursome, right? Yeah. But you could say the same thing about, you know, Pippen, MJ. They had Rodman. You could say the same thing about, you know, Wade and LeBron. They had Bosh. You know, that was a trio. And then where do you go with the Boston Tea Party? Do you put KG, Paul Pierce, or KG, Ray Allen? You had Rondo as well. So, anyway, I, I just thought that was interesting. I was kind of thinking about that. This is Williams' Magic and Kareem. That was my fifth. Magic and Kareem. Yeah. Um, but, of course, and you're also leaving off, you know, Duncan Parker or Duncan Ginobili, however you want to split that. Um, there have been a lot of good pairings in the NBA. Yeah. But have, would we have ever seen anything quite like KD, LeBron? I don't think so. Now, is that a good pairing? Yeah, I think so. I think it would be a good pairing. LeBron can fit wherever you want him to fit. Yeah. In terms of just being likable, though. <laughs> what does that matter? Well, I want my pairings to be likable. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do you like MJ? Yeah. MJ is not likable. Yeah. Oh, MJ, now you're going down a, MJ, a road you do not want to go down. No. Who thinks he's likable as yeah. far as personality? Uh, this is where the millennial. Are you kidding me? MJ is known for being that guy, for being that killer, mm -hmm. and he gets praised for that. Of course, if you want a player like that, yes. But I'm talking about as far as fans go, you can marvel at his athleticism and everything he's accomplished on the court, but I don't know if I would say he's a likable guy. So LeBron and Durant are so connected that uh, he just doesn't pick up the phone and have this conversation. He just has to send him uh, a text. Say, hey, by the way, you want to join up with me? <laughs> don't leave a paper trail, LeBron. <laughs> you want to go have some coffee in L.A.? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was uh, interesting. And Stephen A. is the only person I've seen, like, really spearhead that. So you question and scream in A's sources? No, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, you know, I would feel better about it if, if uh, you know, Woj dropped a bomb or something uh, like that, somebody like that. Uh, but um, anyway, something to think about. It, I don't think it's going to happen, but – it just got me thinking what what were the best NBA pairings we've ever seen. Mm. And there have been a lot, you know. All right, moving on. Magic Kareem, I think, certainly. Uh, would MJ, you put them? Uh, MJ Pippen. Yeah. Would you put them above Shaq Kobe, though? My argument for Shaq Kobe is they could have won so many more, they just couldn't get along. Mm. They were dominant. Uh, of course, all of these people were dominant. but Williams says uh, MJ better than that crybaby LeBron. <laughs> But uh, Kobe and Shaq were a true duo. You know, when you're talking about a lot of these on the list, mm -hmm. uh, you can usually insert a third player in the mix. And Shaq and Kobe were just so far above the rest on that team. AJ says uh, MJ, when he was a player, was likable. Once he retired, he was not humble. Man, that retirement speech. Oh, rough. All right, moving on to Feinbaum. Yeah. This is interesting news. And then this is this is where we come into play, how this story came out. Uh -huh. And then do we have to take it with a grain of salt because of it? But we have not heard a response from Feinbaum or from ESPN. Right. And Feinbaum. So full disclosure there. Feinbaum refused to comment. Now, the guy who is breaking this story is Clay Travis, the beloved Clay Travis. Who hates ESPN. Who is so far Gets a majority slanted, of his material. Who works with the competition, yeah. by the way. Um, I don't know how that's – I don't know if he works for or works with. He always tries to make it sound like they're not his employers. So I don't really know how that works. But anyway, 
Um, he says that ESPN has so bungled its negotiation. He's quoting a source. ESPN has so bungled its negotiation with the SEC network and ESPN commentator uh, Paul Feinbaum that there's a likelihood that Feinbaum could be out before SEC Media Days, really? or he could just straight up not attend SEC Media Days and is talking to other networks. Where he, actually, Feinbaum has, has drawn a line in the sand yeah. and says, I have to have a deal done Soon. before the SEC Media Days or I will be a no-show. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things in my head. I do think there is tremendous um, value in Feinbaum. Yeah. Not for his opinions. I've never once cared about his opinions, but because of the fan base he carries, because he he is the representation of the SEC, because so many of these crazy, hardcore fans call into his show, and it's enjoyable to watch. It's enjoyable to watch these fans you know, go after each other and, and especially during the football season. make a fool of themselves. So, you know, you can go that far and say that. That said, um, not having him at SEC Media Days, is that a big blow? Uh, yes, the number of things that he'll do at the SEC Media Days. But he's basically saying if a deal isn't worked out by then, then it's probably going to be over with the SEC Network. But I'm s- have you ever – let me ask this. Have you ever enjoyed his interview style? No. Okay. So, so you could fill that in easily. You could you could put somebody else up there. And my question is: the people at ESPN do they care about Feinbaum's following, or do they look at him as an on-air personality and go, "I think we can do better than this," or "I, I don't think we have to pay this much for this guy." But the number of hours in the job that he does that will leave a you gapping hole in the line. You don't think somebody's going to jump into that? You don't think somebody's willing to take that on? Well, the fact that Feinbaum's not commenting, and you wouldn't expect ESPN to comment it on either, but the fact that he's not saying anything about it, there's got to be some some substance to this report. Yeah, I guess. But and then if you're Feinbaum, you're sitting back there, and I believe uh, it was back in 2013 that he signed this original deal with ESPN. You've had promises for over the course of a year now that a, a new deal would be worked out, and it hasn't. Then you pick it up or you look on the, around the Internet and you see that uh, a new deal has been worked out with Levitard and Stugatz <laughs> for four years. The, the boys. Yeah. yeah. Good for them. Yeah. You got Stugatz uh, quote there? Uh, not offhand. Give me a second. I will. This was a, a typical Stugatz quote. Yeah. Levitard and Stugatz got extension. I believe it's a four-year yeah. extension. Good for them. Randy they, wants to know who cares. They've earned it. Oh, well, hey, this is, it's the summer. <laughs> <laughs> That's my response to that. Um, I think uh, Stu Gatz and, and Levitar, I think their show is, is one of the best, man. Yeah. It's just so much comedy. It, it it just takes the fun in sports, and it, and it puts it over the airwaves, in my All opinion. Right, here's uh, Levitar and his announcement. ESPN has given us ridiculous freedom. Sorry, computer's freezing. Uh, oh. Given us uh, ridiculous freedom in what we do. Boy, you are really butchering I, I, I'm this. I'm sorry, man. Uh, how do I control the, the computer? You never have been able to, have you? ESPN has given us ridiculous freedom to have fun and made us popular than more popular than we deserve. A whole lot of people have re- supported our nonsense in a way that isn't easy to support but easy to grow. As an added bonus, we're especially thankful for this. They also pay us. And then, of course, Stu Gatz's 
Release says, I was hoping for a lifetime contract, to be honest. I'm a little disappointed. Maybe next time. Well played. <laughs> and I always thought it was Stugatz was his name. Actually, his name is John Wiener. No wonder he goes by Stugatz. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. There's the gossip from the broadcasting world. All right, coming up, I want to get into this recruit and the fact that he doesn't watch football. Does that is that alarming to you? Do you feel like if you're – do you feel like the best players need to be a student of the game? I do. I want to get your opinion. Gary says, now Oregon State joins ULM with one of Arkansas's most memorable losses in school history. <laughs> Piling on, Gary. Yeah. It's a low blow. Low blow, my friend. AJ says, if Levitard got rid of his dad, it would be great. The dad shtick is played out. Oh, I'm still a fan of Poppy. I'm sorry. <laughs> 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Keep the text coming. We've had some good ones this morning. It's called the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Quite frankly, we need the help, so hit us up at 888-993-7762. All right. So, first, and also, if you want to send in what the worst losses, most crushing or heartbreaking losses maybe you've experienced as a fan, or maybe you've witnessed in any sport, let us know those. I want to compile a list, kind of go through those in the 8 o'clock hour. So if you have some suggestions, recommendations, send those in. Now, uh, this Kayvon Thibodeau kid, he is number one. Where is he from? ESPN 300. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't get that information. <laughs> so thanks for asking. Uh, he's a long hybrid defensive end. I thought Stingley was the number one guy. Or the That's Rivals. Oh, okay. That's Rivals. But this is ESPN, number one in their ESPN 300. He said that he rarely watches NFL or college football. That doesn't surprise me. Really? Yeah. It, it you does know the mean. number of kids that you go out and, and interview, and, of course, you start talking football, hey, and you, you're trying to make small talk, and, hey, check out that game. How many times they say no? I didn't see it. Or how many times have we now seen a national recruit? And bring up Stingley. He lives in Baton Rouge. And I think he said the only time that he's ever been to an LSU game was on a recruiting visit. Okay, that's different. I'm talking about TV. It's so accessible. When you go to an actual game, you got to spend a lot more money. Okay? So that's that's different. But the fact that this kid's not even really a fan of mm. college football or NFL, I'll say this. I remember when I played at Vidalia, um, you could tell – at practice, like the kids that didn't watch football, they made some of these stupidest, I mean, the dumbest mistakes. And, and I can you hear Fair, your teammates under the bus. I can hear, I'm not saying their names, but I can hear Faircloth voice in my head right now going, go home and watch a game. Just watch one game. I, I mean, I, I remember that conversation a few times, and I'm just like looking at him like, gosh, I can't help you. I, I've never seen something so dumb in my life. No, but like I think it makes a difference, man. And when you when you grow up watching the game, and also when you want to be really good at something, yeah. don't you need to be obsessed about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go back to the Conor McGregor quote where he says, "This isn't talent. This is obsession. I'm obsessed with this." And I think that's true. All all great, unless you're just. I mean, this kid is obviously extremely talented. Uh, he's blessed with tremendous athletic ability. And the fact that he can be like this 6'5", 240 hybrid, I mean, coaches drool over that these days. That said, I still think there has to be some level of obsession and, and passion because 
you know how hard it is to be a football player? You know how hard it is to go out there and take those hits every single day mm-hmm. and grind in the heat? You got to be obsessed with it. You got to be passionate about it. I agree with you on one aspect. I think it's a red flag. On one aspect of it, but then also how many times, you know, when we're visiting with kids that literally just don't even know other athletes that they're following, the the legacy at their school. Okay, but that's kind of different too Um, just because, yeah, we talk about it. Yeah, we write about it, but I think it's easier to follow stuff on ESPN if you're a kid. You know what I mean? How many kids read newspapers? How many kids are up listening to us right now? I think it's an older audience. Just as long as they don't run the base pass the wrong way or things like that. Is that how bad it was in Vidalia? <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> Your quarterback was lining up under the tight end. <laughs> it didn't get that bad, but, uh, yeah, it was some No stupid. wonder you guys had some bad years. Yeah, yeah. Watch a, I'm, I was saying the same thing because they need to watch some football. <laughs> All right. I can just imagine D. Fairclaw saying that. Oh, yeah, yeah. in perfect <laughs> D. Fairclaw fashion. All right, uh, moving on. Yesterday, LSU had their little caravan, yeah. uh, one of their little events. And, of course, the Joe Burrow hype. Yeah, it continues. It, it's yeah. continuing, baby. Uh, Ensminger on Burrow saying that. Is he studying? Is he is he a kid? Is he out there? Is he's he out, passionate? He, he's, he love his football? He's watching his football. Yeah. Uh, he showed up two hours early for a film study, oh. stayed late. Oh, He's a football. They're going to win 11 games. Put him up for the Heisman. Well, start the campaign. But this doesn't. um, What he the the quote that I liked the most was Ensminger saying that he doesn't make a lot of mental mistakes, and he is very accurate. He said he questioned Burrow's arm strength before he got onto campus, but now that he's seen him live, uh, he doesn't question it anymore. To me, when you read these quotes, it's like. This guy's already the starter. This guy has already won the starting job. The way they talk about him, the way they hype him up. And then, of course, Orgeron went on to talk about transfers and said every single transfer will play. So that's – Two quotes here. Uh, He was asked about the offense, and Ensminger did not mince words here. We're a very young offense, he said. I know nobody wants to hear that, and I could give a damn about it. He's a polished speaker, just like Ed Orgeron. Yeah, (laughs) Think about that for a minute. All right. This is the one that kind of, you know, we continue to hear this, but it, it it still is strange when I hear it coming from LSU. His quote was, we don't know who our quarterback is. We don't know who our running back is. It's running back by committee right now. Our receiver group, which I think is outstanding, I really do, and that's the depth of our offense right now. I think we're going to be really good up front. And then his quote was, we're going to look to throw first, and then when we get an option, then – will be forced to run it. I understand how you can – that can kind of catch you off guard just because of what we've witnessed the last couple of decades watching LSU football. But I do like the quote because it's, it tells me that as an offensive coordinator, he's looking at the personnel and he's trying to fit his personnel rather than forcing them into a system that you know might not fit their skill set. And I think the fact that you've got so many great receivers – You've got unproven backs. Yeah, why not throw it more? Still need to get figure out who's going to get the ball to those wide receivers. Ensminger says the strength of our offense is the wide receivers. We don't know who will get the football to them. It's going to be a throw first and run when they give it to us. Consider what we have witnessed, of course, with Les Miles through the years and the talented running backs and offensive line that LSU has had. 
What do you think Les Miles' reaction was to that quote? Yeah. <laughs> it's Did easy to out? say in June. June 15th, you can say this. <laughs> They'll be trotting out the I formation yeah. in the fall. Yeah, uh, we got a couple of texts about the worst losses in sports that, that they've either witnessed or suffered as a fan. AJ says Michigan, Michigan State botched punt as time expired. Wow. Yeah, that was recent. That was, that was rough to watch. Um, Russell says the Razorbacks brain fart pop up. That one's going to haunt you for years, Russell. I feel I feel sorry for you. He also said some players don't want to be the next X player. They want to be the first next player. Hmm. Aranda also on the uh, caravan with LSU coaches. He was asked about uh, kind of being lured away from LSU, why he said no to Texas A&M besides the fact that LSU threw a bunch of money at him says it really boiled down to a family decision. And, of course, his comfort level with Ed Orgeron also said he went to his daughters, asked them what they thought, and they, of course, love Baton Rouge. It's a good answer. Yeah. It's a good reason to stay. When's one of these LSU caravans going to roll through North? Oh, Tennessee? I knew yeah. that was coming. It did last year. Yeah. It was late, but it did last year. Maybe we'll get another late edition. Mm. This is a very important area to them in recruiting. It what is. I'm told. Well, Sometimes they don't always show it, but uh, it is. 888-993-7762. Hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk a little College World Series, plus the greatest moment in College World Series history. We'll debate it after the break, and plus, you'll hear from Warren Morris. The Morning Drive is back after this. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. I'll never forget that moment. Never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. It started with a phone call. I got the text when I was at work. My first call up ever as a member of the National Guard. This was it. The real deal. When we got to the armory, they briefed us on the wildfires. How they were getting dangerously close to homes. It was amazing to be a part of this massive operation. Helicopters were going up with huge buckets to drop water on the fires. Some of the guys in the unit were preparing for firefighting with local fire crews. We went out in Humvees to help with the evacuations. At that moment, I got my first taste of just how important the Guard is to my community. See how the Guard can be an important part of your life at NationalGuard.com. Discover what it means to be a citizen soldier, to serve locally as well as globally. Look into the benefits including career skills and money for college. Take a moment. Go to NationalGuard.com today. Sponsored by the Louisiana National Guard, aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, Louisiana. 
This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. What we got, Jake? Richie shocking me here. He says, worst loss, the River City Relay game. That one over the Vikings last year. Now, for those of you who don't remember, the River City Relay was the the play that involved all those laterals with the Saints against the Jaguars, mm. and they scored. Of course, something good came out of that, uh, a great commercial uh, in the grocery store. I don't know if you remember that, but that was awesome. Um, but anyway, they scored, and then John Carney missed the extra point. I remember the commercial. You remember the commercial? Uh-huh. They were, like, tossing bread. They were, like, going down aisles and stuff and, like, lateraling bread, trying to get to the the uh, the register. Huh. Oh, man. Please tell me y'all out there remember this. Com- maybe it was a, a – maybe y'all didn't get it up here. I don't know. <laughs> I hope y'all did. It was just on the Vidalia yeah. table vision. <laughs> Vidalia circuit, that's right. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that one's – that one was tough, but I put the Vikings way ahead of that one. Just because nothing was really on the line with that Jaguars game. And here you had, you know, you're a couple wins away from the Super Bowl. And it was so recent, too. Well, not even – I'm trying to take recency out of it. Because um, I, I remember being very heartbroken over that, you know, the play at, at Jacksonville. But it was just the fact that, you know, here you're talking – you're a step or two away from the Super Bowl, and it's a it's a tackle. All that all that has to happen is a tackle. I don't know. You can say all you have to do is kick an extra point, and you would have tied it. But uh, I don't know. I just view the the Vikings one as as worse than the the 2003 um, lateral play. We had high hopes that this uh, College World Series would be one that we'd be talking about for quite some time. And quite frankly, we may because of the botched foul ball. It got off to such a great start in the first two games, and we were hoping that, of course, last night's game would live up to the hype. It certainly did not unless you were an Oregon State fan as the Beavers take care of the Razorbacks 5 to nothing. Just an incredible pitching performance by the freshman. Kevin Abel goes a complete game, throws 129 pitches, and gives up a measly two hits to that powerful Arkansas lineup. He was tremendous. He really was. Uh, and Richie said, he missed an extra point. <laughs> I get it. Uh, the, the the College World Series, though, like you said, it will be remembered for game two. Mm-hmm. We'll be remembered for missing that pop-up that cost them a national championship. And, I, you know, I, I want to – But even if, you know, Oregon State gets a base hit, ties it up, they're able to get out of that jam and it's still tied and you're going to the bottom of the ninth. Arkansas still has a pretty good chance. The two-run homer, of course, killed them. Yes, but you gave that lineup another opportunity. That lineup is one of the best in the country, if not the best, just based on talent and draft picks and whatnot. So you gave those guys another opportunity to get you, and it came back to bite Arkansas. And, of course, when you lose in that fashion, you can't get up for game three. You know, it's extremely difficult. And a lot of credit needs to also go to Oregon State. The fact that they lose the first game in the College World Series. They come all the way back through the loser's bracket. Then, of course, they lose game one of the College World Series final and then win two straight against Arkansas. Talking about great moments in College World Series history, you still have to go back to, what, 1986 and and Warren Morris, of course, stepping up to the plate against Miami. The one, the only, walk-off 
home run in a college World Series final. And I would argue it is um, Jim Hawthorne's greatest call. You know, I mean, I, I think it has to be his greatest call of all time. Uh, just the fact that, you know, hitting that walk-off homer, I thought he, he provided great audio to that great color to it. Um, it was one of the greatest moments in LSU history, no mm. doubt. Uh, Morris had missed uh, 39 games in 96 with a broken hand in his right hand. A lot of people forget that, but he is a College World Series hero now. We had an opportunity. We've talked to him a couple times on this show. Here's one of our interviews with Moore, Warren Morris kind of reflecting on that magical day in Omaha. It's fun for me. People want to come up and tell me, you know, what they were doing, where they were. And, uh, you know, it seems like most of the stories either involve getting excited and jumping up and hitting their head or their hand on the ceiling fan. But uh, just, just lots of fun stories that people have shared over the years. You step up in a situation like that, and as a hitter, what are you thinking about or what are you concentrating on in terms of what you can accomplish in that at-bat? Well, in that situation, I was trying not to think too much. You know, I didn't want to kind of get myself too nervous or thinking about the situation. So, honestly, I just was focused on being aggressive. I felt like, you know, whatever happened, I would – uh, my best opportunity was just to be aggressive, get a good pitch to hit, take a good swing at it. And so I just remember thinking, you know, even if I strike out here, I'm not striking out looking. I'm going to go down swinging. And that's probably why the first pitch was the one that I, I took a good swing at. You faced so much adversity that year. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think you'd be in that situation in terms of being at the plate in that moment? No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, I was batting ninth that day. I'd just come back. I guess seven games prior to that from surgery on my wrist. So, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't expecting to hit a home run. I think that's why you see me jumping around the bases. I was as shocked as everybody else there. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, you know, it's a tough season, but uh, obviously I would go through it again for the way it ended. Um, and it just helps to reassure me that, uh, you know, even when times don't look like they're going to work out, you know, if you trust and believe and stay with your, you know, your system, then, uh, you know, God's got a plan and things will work out. Do you remember circling the bases and, and now in hindsight, do you wish you might have took a little longer to, to soak in the moment a little bit more? <laughs> no, I don't remember a lot. It all happened so fast. And uh, I just remember jumping around, seeing the, uh, the Miami guys on the infield that were down on the ground, which was kind of my confirmation that, you know, this, this isn't just a home run. We just won the World Series. And, you know, you come around home, third base towards home, and all my teammates were there at home plate. And you touch home, and there's that pile of massive humanity, and I'm on the bottom of it. Uh, but, I mean, that, that really, that to me, is what sports is all about. Um, you know, I, I never really played the game trying to get statistics or, or individual feats. I, I love the fact that, you know, it's a team game, and, I was able to come through in that situation for the team. And for somebody that missed pretty much the whole year, that's what's special for me. And, uh, you know, just for us to celebrate together and to always be able to enjoy the fact that we, we were champions that year. Aaron and I get intrigued when we hear, I guess, some of the, the other stories. You know, the, the TV cameras, the radio broadcasts, you, you just hear it or you see it, and then they're off the air. They're done. What happened after the game? Tell us some stories about, about after the game, maybe getting left and, and, and kind of some of the, uh, the, the seeing some of the sights and sounds uh, via your legs walking uh, back to the hotel after the game. Yeah. 
No, after the game, you know, it's pandemonium. People are on the field, and, uh, you know, finally we make our way to the press conference, and I guess I was, you know, caught with a few reporters or interviews, but uh, I go to get on the team bus back to the hotel, and I, I discover that the bus has already left. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm left there, there at the field. I'm, you know, my parents and some other friends are there, so I catch a ride with them, but the funny thing is, you know, Rosenblatt Stadium was basically right set up next to the zoo, but it's in a neighborhood. So, you know, like a lot of places, people sold parking spaces in their backyard. So, you know, I haven't changed. I'm still in full uniform, still got cleats on. I just remember chomping through somebody's front yard to get in the vehicle to go back to the hotel right after the game. So, uh, you know, kind of a funny memory, but then... Even when I got back to the hotel, most of the people had already gone to, uh, you know, to go celebrate, and I caught up with them later. But uh, just, you know, it's kind of, uh, I guess, a pinch myself moment. I can remember flipping on the TV and just in a hotel room as I was changing, and it's just me in there, and that, there I am on Sports Center going around the bases. And uh, mm. I mean, that, that's kind of that moment where you're like, wait a minute, is that really me on TV? So. Uh, just, it's, it's neat to think back and, and remember that 20 years later and uh, just how, how great that team was and those guys and enjoy whenever I do have a chance to hang out with them. Yeah, did you guys have an opportunity recently as the you know two decades have passed to kind of get a reunion together and kind of relive some of those moments? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We did this past season. We had a 20-year reunion. And, I mean, really, uh, except for a few guys, just about everyone was there. So that was a lot of fun. Still you know, it doesn't seem like 20 years has passed until some of the guys that, you know, have kids that are, you know, teenagers and they're running around, you, you realize, okay, well, if they've got kids that old, it has been 20 years. Um, but uh, just, you know, a, a great group and, um, you know, just it was always good to get back together with them. And, you know, it, it, it's 20 years since it's happened, but uh, a lot of the memories and a lot of the just time shared with those guys still rings very, very recent. You went on, of course, to play Major League Baseball for the Pirates, Twins, and Tigers, but is it safe to say uh, your best memories and moments happen with the LSU Tigers? Well, I mean, that's probably, the, I guess, the pinnacle, the highest point in my uh, sports career. It's kind of hard to compare, you know, still – there's no comparison for being able to play after that same summer in the Olympics and represent the USA and it'd be in Atlanta. And, you know, we didn't quite win a gold medal. We won a bronze medal, which looks a little gold. I may just tell my grandkids it is gold, but, uh, you know, that's a great experience. And then to, to never really have thought that one day as a little leaguer, I would end up playing in the big leagues and just to be able to have that experience and day in and day out get to play against the best in the world that's tremendous and something that i'll always cherish as well but as far as yeah one sporting moment that uh i don't think i could beat that day on uh, in, in omaha warren in terms of the uh, the bat perhaps your cleats jersey do you do you own them do you still have them uh i have the ball that's that's the the one thing i do have uh, a fan from that lives in omaha that that he, he goes every year to the game, caught the ball, and somehow in the madness after the game found me and said he wanted me to have it. So I just signed the ball in return for him. Um, the bat, which that's kind of a unique story as well, the bat is in the, the LSU Hall of Fame there at Alex Box Stadium. I believe that was the only game I used that bat for. Um, Coach Berkman's wife 
had brought, or not his wife, Coach Berksman's daughter was running uh, a batting facility in Baton Rouge that he owned, and she brought some brand-new Easton bats just to see if somebody would use them for that day because it was going to be on national TV, and you know, all the guys were a little superstitious, didn't want to change their bat, and I just remember telling her, well, I'll use it. I don't care. I'm batting ninth today. So I used that bat just that one game, and, uh, you know, I guess it, it finished the winter, so they, it's, in, it's hanging in the, the Hall of Fame there. So uh, that, that's, that's but the ball I do have and something that I'll, I'll always cherish. Great stuff from Warren Morris, of course, the heroics in 1996. Jake, what were you, like two or three? Uh, no, man, I was five. <laughs> We got some more text about the worst losses. Uh, Larry says, my worst loss that I witnessed was I was the biggest Buffalo Bills fans in the 90s and still am a fan, but I had to watch them lose four straight Super Bowls. On the flip side, Larry, I would go with Buffalo's run. And it was, I think it was a wild card game against the Houston Oilers when the Oilers were up 35 to 3. Yeah, that's oh my god. And I mean it was pretty much a done deal. You're thinking, all right, Bills are gone, Oilers are marching on. And then Frank Wright comes in and what happened then? And Buffalo comes storming back to win 41-38. And you want to talk about crushing blows. Yeah. What's the wor- as a fan, Aaron, what's the worst loss you can remember? What's the one that that impacted you the most? It would have to be an Iowa game at some point. You don't have one that just sticks you know, out? I, I remember there was one, uh, I think it would have been in the early 90s, uh, Iowa Hawkeyes basketball when they were up against the running Rebs, UNLV, and they were literally up 15, 16 points at some point in that game, and you're thinking Iowa's going to take down the Tarts. And then eventually, of course, it all unravels. Mm. I know that's horrible, but that's... And the only other thing I can think, you go into an Iowa game and, and squaring off against Penn State and, and losing the game and... Iowa fans are all pissed off walking out of there, but they continue to say, well, our uniforms are still a lot better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, last year? Iowa, was it Iowa-Penn State yes, that was so good? Yes. So it made you a fan of Saquon Barkley. But full disclosure, and I don't feel really good about this. I, I'm not that invested in one team, one program, one school anymore. You know, I, I'm not. Not even a franchise? Yeah, there's NFL. not like, and I used to be a big Raiders fan, and I used to be a big Cubs fan, and through the years, it's just kind of How subsided. Really? Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's a knock that's against sad, Yeah, I know. Man. I should be more of just a, you gotta find fan a team. And, well, like, I just enjoy watching games. Man. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I'm saying, you got to experience that heartbreak yeah. when, like, the same, like, you know, you remember how it was oh, when yeah. the Saints lost and how everyone here was just like, let's not even talk about it. And you just wanted to play the audio from it. You need to experience the heartbreak so you can sympathize with that. Uh, Hogan says, I'm a diehard Oiler and now Titan fan. My worst memories were against the Bills and now my Hogs Wednesday night. He says, thank God the Astros won the World Series. And Trent says, cupcake ground ball in the 1986 World Series. Bill Buckner, of course... We'll make the list. Yeah. We'll ta- we're taking more suggestions, by the way. Keep sending them in. We appreciate the ones you've sent so far. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance hotline slash text line. Coming up next, we'll visit with uh, Broderick Fobbs as he has a new deal with the Grambling Tigers. The Morning Drive is back after this. I'm Steve Wiseman with NFL Network Now on the Westwood One Radio Network. 
Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston has been suspended the first three games of the regular season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. The league investigated and confirmed claims that in March of 2016, Winston touched the driver of a rideshare service in an inappropriate and sexual nature without her consent. According to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, Winston will not appeal the decision. Also announced on Thursday, a $2.75 million... Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.